Before thee let my cry come near, O Lord, true to thy word, teach me before thee. We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through His Word. Let my lips thy praise confess, yea, of thy word my tongue would sing, yea, Greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. As much as we are keenly aware of our physical needs, we have other more abiding needs. You see, flesh and blood will not inherit eternal life. We work praying for and laboring to see God's kingdom come. And His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is good work indeed and God's plan, of course, to save the world. But this is not the full story. We are more than flesh, more than we can see. Those parts of us that cannot be seen have needs as real as those we carefully tend to each day. David understood this in Psalm 119. He said, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. And blessed are they that keep his testimonies and seek him with the whole heart. As I go through Psalm 119, I won't go through the whole thing, but I'll go through it. Listen to the longing of a man who knows he belongs to God and knows that his body, even though it belongs to God, doesn't act like it. And he longs to be changed into the image of God. He said, they also do no iniquity and they walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes Oh, forsake me not utterly. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto, according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. And I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes and I will not forget thy word. Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. O thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. 
My soul breaketh for longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, who do err from thy commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Thy statutes also are my delight and my counselors. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. I have declared my ways and thou heard me. Teach me thy statutes and make me to understand the way of thy precepts. And so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. Remove me from the way of lying and grant me thy law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. I have stuck unto thy testimonies, O Lord. Put me not to shame. I will run the way of thy commandments and thou shalt enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes and I shall keep them to the very end. Give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments for therein do I delight. Can you hear Paul or can you hear David over and over asking God to cause him to love righteousness, to do righteousness, to desire righteousness. Incline my heart to thy testimonies and not to covetousness. Turn away my eyes from beholding vanity and quicken me in the way. Establish thy word unto thy servant who is devoted to thy fear. Turn away my reproach when I do fear, for thy judgments are good. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. Let thy mercies come also unto me, even thy salvation, according to thy word. Let us pray. Lord, you have brought us into this place once again, and you have given us a glorious spring day. Lord, the grass is green, the flowers are blooming, and the knowledge of the Lord is bounding across the waves and across the lands and filling the earth. But Lord, today you are turning our attention on heaven. Today you are calling us to speak the language of heaven when we speak your word. Lord, we say today, Lord, in our hearts as David did, Lord, change us. Make us like you, O God. Help us to understand the beauty of holiness, Lord. Lord, let us be holy, for you indeed are holy. In Christ's name we pray, and all the church said, Amen. Amen. standing as we read our text for today. My sermon today is called Food for Life, Food for the Spirit. From John chapter 6, verses 26 and 27 is my text today. John six twenty six says, And Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, You seek me. Not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man, who shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Let us pray. Lord, 
Speak to us today. We long to hear your voice. Lord, we want so much to have your spirit speaking to us, Lord, through me as I open your word. Lord, I know as you have been very faithful to this congregation, completely obviously faithful, you are so kind to them and kind to me in that you continue to speak to me and offer the people words not just that are contrived or that seem appropriate for the time, but that are words from you. Lord, help us to hear the words as your words today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We spend a whole lot of our time thinking about this life, do we not? This body, everybody say, my body. The building, everybody say, the building. Our family. That's what we think about, right? And we should. It's certainly part of God's plan. It's what God is doing right now in us and through us. We have things to do, plans to make, things that must be done. Right? All that's true, but sometimes we need to remember that it is just as important or more important than all of these things that that's not all that's going on. Amen? I was telling the men up here in our huddle before service that something C.S. Lewis said, I read a lot of something, a lot of what he said actually recently. And he said, as long as things are going good here, with our house, with our body, with our family, with our job, with our life, as long as things are going well, we seldom ever Think of heaven. But when things are not, when things are falling apart, when things are uncertain, when things are shifting sand underneath our feet, and we realize the temporary nature of what we see around us, soon our gaze returns to heaven. Would be to God that our gaze should stay fixed upon heaven. Amen? That we would set our affections on things in heaven and not things on the earth where the Bible says moth and, and, and dust corrupt and thieves break in and steal. Because what we have and what we will have one day can never be taken away from us. Amen? As uh, <clears throat> Jeff read for us today, I am persuaded, right? Neither life nor death nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present or things to come. Height nor depth. Any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Amen? Sometimes we need to remember that we are flesh. We live in this world, yes indeed, but we are spirit beings. Everybody say, we are spirit beings. I know it's hard to think of yourself this way. And we sit in the pew or... As you, as you, you know, if you're like me, you can't button that top button on your shirt because your neck's got too fat. As you are scrubbing out a pan in the sink and you're trying to get out where someone has scorched something in. And, and it's hard to go, you know, I'm eternal. I am immortal. You know, I have an imagination and I, I remember there's, there's this movie called The Highlander and it's, I wouldn't recommend it really for anybody, but... 
uh, it's about these immortal beings, you know, and they, they have these swords and they never die. And, and, and their life is about that they're immortal. And you're watching, you're like, wow, this guy's immortal. Folks, we're immortal. We will never die. Although this body that we have, this frame that we have will disappear, it may fade. You know, uh, last year I thought I was going to be in a wheelchair forever, Bill. I remember praying to God, going, God, thank you. I thank you for 47 years of being able to walk and jump and leap. And, And that's all right. I said, God, it's all right. I've walked enough. I've been enough places. I've seen enough beautiful things. And if I never get to walk anywhere else, oh God, thank you for being able to walk around. Because it's a little scary, you know, in your, when you can't walk. We are immortals marking time in a place that one day will be no more. Not only will this world pass away, but the time that we are marking right now will pass away too. Isn't it amazing that there won't be a time... That in heaven when someone will say, well, when's this going to happen? Or when did this happen? And there'll be no time to measure it. There'll be no, oh, it, tomorrow, next day. Time will be no more. It's kind of hard to, we, we don't believe this. This is hard for us to imagine, hard for us to comprehend. God's creation, the here and now is glorious. Everybody say, it's glorious. I love to watch. Did you guys see the, the new planet Earth has come out and, and uh, Disney is now doing this thing where they're doing the leopard and the panda and the, and the monkeys, right? How many love to see that kind of stuff? I do. I, I can't get enough of the, the beautiful foliage of, you know, these birds or uh, the, 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 the little panda, you know, rolling down the side of a hill, you know, and his mother eating bamboo. I don't know what in the world is wrong with me, but I just, I could just, I can't get enough of it. But as glorious as all this is, today I want us to talk about something that's more glorious. Everybody say, more glorious. glorious. You see, remember, this is no insult to God. God's word talks like this. Remember, the law was glorious. Everybody say, the law was glorious. I mean, we read the law, we have talked about the law, the psalm talked about the law. We know the law of the Lord is perfect, right? But yet the Bible says even though the law was glorious, there was something even more glorious. Just say more glorious. The law was so glorious that when God gave it, that when God spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, that when he spoke to him, that he began to be uh, covered by the glory of the Lord in so much that when he came down from heaven... Or came down from it. Came down from the big mountain. It was like he had been in heaven, right? He comes down and he's glowing so much that they have to put a veil over his face. And as glorious as all that is, the scriptures tell us that what Christ has done is even more glorious. We we were reciting scriptures. We were talking about the Word of God earlier we were reading from the word of god and and what passed in my mind jonathan as we were doing it you know when we learn the word of god we can speak like they will speak in heaven you know when you read question 37 of the westminster it, it 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 touched me deeply because it spoke to me about what i'm trying to relate today what 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 happens to the dead in christ They immediately are what? Do you know the words or do you have it there? It says they are immediately perfected. They are immediately, their souls are perfected. Can you imagine that? 
I don't know about you, but, but I'm like the psalmist in that I lament my imperfections. I lament that here as I'm surrounded by loveliness and beauty and I can see what God is doing in all your lives. It's still lingering back in the, my subconscious are these yucky, nasty things. Does anybody have any of this stuff? Thoughts that you have, you wonder, oh, could maybe I benefit from this situation? You know, and you're like going, oh, that's disgusting. Like, are you serious? Like, you hear these, these things in your mind, this thing, oh, what about this? What about that? Oh, wonder what people will think. And it's like, that's disgusting. Why does it even enter into our minds? Why are we not set? Why are our affections not set like they should be? Why are we so earthly focused? It's because we're in this body. And when Paul cried out, oh, wretched man that I am who can save me of this body, there is one among us that is no here who has been saved and perfected from it. She no longer languishes and, and says, oh, am I a good enough mother or a good enough sister in Christ? Am I, have I, am, am I doing this right? Was that a good thought or a right thought? She's not struggling with that. We feebly struggle, amen? But they in glory shine. You see, the children of Israel could not even look upon him. Moses had to wear a veil and that was glorious. But Paul tells us that what we have beheld in the face of Christ, fulfilling all the law, satisfying its demand is more glorious. Yes, the kingdom of God coming to earth is glorious, but God's word teaches us about something more glorious. We are spirit and body. Some say spirit, soul and body, whichever it is. We're made of something, our very life, our immortal life, that will never, ever see corruption. That is so much more glorious than we can imagine. In fact, eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered into the mind of man the thing which God has prepared for them that love Him. This is where it's all going. I love to think of a time when uh, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess in, uh, on heaven and earth, I've, uh, on earth. Aren't you glad to think of that day? But you know there'll be a day better than that. There'll be a day when there are no knees of flesh, when there is no weakness and frailty, a day when death has been swallowed up in victory, the day when there will be no more tears of sorrow, of regret, of introspection that causes us to languish in our hearts and go, oh God, get me out of this body, this sinful flesh that I have. That will never be. We will not even be plagued by the weights that encumber us and we will fly in perfection before our Lord. That's a better day. You see, that's who we really are. I look around and I see little ones sitting on the front pew, a little rat lift here, my children, your children, some of us a little bit older. But do you know, spiritually speaking, there are no such distinctions. That this, little, this little fellow right here, Derek, can you imagine this? In heaven, he will not be your little boy. In fact, he won't be a little boy at all. He'll be an immortal being. He is right now. He may not be able to articulate. He may not be able to, uh, you know, do the job of administrator of a, of a facility. He has no special license. He's just cute there with his little bow tie. Coming to see his sister baptized this morning. That's all he is, but that's not all who he is. You understand that? I don't understand the great mystery of what God is doing, but somehow God has chosen that in our flesh He will form us 
through the events that happen to us in this temporal flesh, and He will form us into these spiritual beings that will be eternal, that will be forever etched by the lives that we have lived here, and shaped in such a way, and made in such a perfection, through the corruption that is around us, into a life of perfection and incorruption. I was reading about C.S. Lewis and and he says, we all know this. We know that God brings about difficulties and suffering and tribulation to make us better, to make us more, as the scripture says, more fit for heaven. Everybody say fit for heaven. We're more like we will be each day, right? And what Lewis says is our problem is, is that we want to be loved less by God, not that we want to be loved more. Because the more God loves us, the more He will work on us. The more He will perfect us. The more He will not tolerate our pride and our arrogance and our haughtiness before Him. He will not tolerate our self-righteousness. And so what He does is through our lives, He begins to grind us. He begins to shape us and carve us through the things in this life that we suffer. And our problem is not that He loves us is that we want Him to love us more. Our problem is is that in the flesh, we really want Him to love us less. Leave us alone. It's all good. I'm okay. Some of you that have teenagers know more about this than others. Teenagers are fine being just like they are. Did you guys know this? They do not need any help. They do not want your advice or your counsel. They uh, have become, they, they grew up and they have, be, they become foolish. It's, it's, it's an automatic thing. I, I think so. Maybe yours won't mind it. And they don't, they don't want to be shaped. They don't want to be changed. They don't need any help. They've already uh, come to the pinnacle of who they, who they are. And, and they don't really need any more help. So you come to them and you're like, you know, and they're like, you know, okay, I won't get started on that. That makes me not, that, in fact, that makes me want to go to heaven, but doesn't make me think about heaven. But you see, in the spiritual world, there are no ages, no transcendent connections. I'm sure there will be some endearment towards those. We have shared earthly bonds, but someday we'll understand better what we now only see in the shadows. You see, this is where Jesus takes his disciples as he speaks in Capernaum. Now, I know it's been a few weeks, but do you remember where Jesus had been, what he had done? You guys remember? Jesus had been followed by land where he was going by boat. He got out in a boat and he went across uh, the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Tiberias, and he, and he comes to the land and he ends up going up on a mountain and he's, he finds that the people had followed him from Capernaum around the lake. Remember this, how the, how the lake is kind of shaped like this and they're following him around the lake where he was going and they're, they're not in the boat. He takes them up on a mountain and the disciples want to uh, show them a way and say, hey, we, you know. Uh, there's too many of them. They need to go find some food. Jesus says, don't do that. We're going to feed them. He had compassion on them. Remember the miracle that was done to prove Philip? His eyes were focused on what they did not have. And he sought to send away the people. He had seen God provide miracles, but he needed to understand that God provides the ordinary. Andrew had brought the little lads two uh, loaves or five loaves and two fishes. And the little lad, unnamed, his loaves were made of a grain used by the poor. The fish were small. The disciples had been able to not only feed the multitude, but they were able to gather 12 baskets of fragments that nothing would be lost. Everybody say, nothing would be lost. You see, Jesus is preaching a sermon in Capernaum in John chapter 6. He uses the same, nothing will be lost. He uses this 
From the time of the, of, the, of the loaves and fishes in the collection, he uses it when he's teaching something later. You see, Jesus did not randomly do things. He didn't just feed the 5,000 on a mountain for no reason. He did it because of what he was going to teach us about himself the next day in Capernaum, or very soon after that. More bread than they could have ever imagined. Bread from God. Food for their bodies. Everybody say, food for their bodies. Wouldn't it be an amazing thing if Foundation Church had a ministry there we could feed everybody? People would come here and, and hungry people could line up and we could give them food. You know, that'd be a good ministry. Everybody say it'd be a good ministry. But there's better ministry than that. Wouldn't it be neat if people could come to Foundation Church and they could line up and if their hands were withered or if they had diabetes or they were sick in some way that we could pray for them and they would be healed. Everybody say that would be a good ministry. But you know, there's better ministry. You see, he had returned to Capernaum. They followed him. He fed the 5,000. Now Jesus returned the disciples. They got back in a boat without Jesus. And Jesus did not get in a boat with them. Jesus uh, appears to them walking on the water on their way and gets in the boat. And this really freaked the people out because when the disciples landed at Capernaum, they saw Jesus was in the boat. They're like, how in the world did he get here? This was amazing. He did, they didn't explain it. He went into the synagogue and he began to teach them about bread. He had multiplied the bread and fed them. And now in Capernaum, he was going to teach them about the bread of life. Not food for their bodies, but food for their spirit. John chapter 6, 24 says, When the people therefore saw Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they took shipping and they came to Capernaum. That they also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said, Rabbi, how did you get here? This is amazing. And Jesus said unto them, he, he, he doesn't say anything. Hey, you know what? I can walk on the water. I mean, that's probably what I would have said. You know, like, hey, I don't need a boat. Let me show you what I can do. You know, I can walk on the water. I mean, don't you think that would have validated his ministry or something a little better? That's not what he said. He just answered really what needed to be said to them. He said nothing to them whatsoever about how he got there, even though they did ask. You know, God doesn't always answer our questions. We have a lot of, oh, why God? How God? And God, instead of doing that, he gives us the answer we need to hear, which is not always the answer to our questions. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles. Everybody say, not because you saw the miracles. Because, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Now, here he points out that they followed him for food. Everybody say they followed him for food. Food for their bodies. The sum of the lives of much of mankind is this. You know, we work for survival. We work for food, for our bodies, for our families. If Jesus could feed them, they wouldn't have to do that. Right? Right? Right, Brother Steve, if, if God could, would provide, if, if, if ravens would come by and drop off $100 bills at your house, you wouldn't have to go to the processing place, right? You wouldn't have to do that. Wouldn't that be great? Could you imagine? Join Foundation Church. You'll never have to go to the cable company again. Come to Foundation Church, you'll never have to manage money or, or go to Patel and, and clean out monkey cages ever again. 
Wouldn't that be awesome? You'll never bust your finger. You'll never hit it with a hammer and have to get a new thumbnail. I don't know how many thumbnails I've had in my lifetime, but, but come to Jesus and all that can be yours. Jesus said, that's not... He said, yes, I did that. I did multiply the fish. Yes, I have done miracles. Some of you followed me to the place where I fed you because of the miracles. And then others of you followed me back to Capernaum for the food. But he said, miracles and food are good, but I've got something better than that. Everybody say, better than that. I've got something more glorious than that. Because you see, it's our tendency to want to follow God for the good things He gives us. And He does give us good things. There is no doubt that Jesus heals. There is no doubt Jesus feeds us. There is no doubt that if we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, that all the things that we worry about, our food, our clothes, our lodging, that He will take care of those needs. But that's not what He came to do. Certainly you get food. And certainly... Miraculous things happen when you know Him, but that's not what it's all about. Because what are all those things in context? Where where do miracles happen? Will there be miracles needed in heaven? Everybody say, "There there will be no need for miracles in heaven. Will anybody need to be risen from the dead in heaven? Nope. Will anybody be sick in heaven? Nope. Will we starve in heaven? And and will there be poor in heaven? Will we need Him to make bread in heaven? Everybody say, we will not. If Jesus would feed them, they wouldn't have to work. But it's not what Jesus came for. He did not come so that all would be healed. He did not come to feed all who were hungry. These are great things, but He came to do something even greater. He came to give them food for the Spirit, food for their lives, food from His Spirit. He, the bread of life, would offer men food that would make them immortal and that would give them everlasting life. Mankind had been sentenced to death. Physically and spiritually, when Adam and Eve had sinned, eating the forbidden fruit, Jesus was walking a new Eve back into the garden to eat from the tree of life again. The angels with the flaming swords, in a sense, had been sent away, and Jesus, the second Adam, could now lead his bride Eve back to Eden, where a new race of mankind could begin to fill the earth. Jesus is explaining what he's doing, but they're more interested in what he did and wanting him to do more of that. And Jesus is like, that's not the ticket. He tells them in verse 27 of John chapter 6, labor not for meat which perisheth. Now, those of you who read the word of God and you have trouble interpreting the word of God, Jesus is not telling you not to work. Okay? Just like he told them to hate their mother and father, he wasn't telling them to hate their mother and father. He was trying to explain to them that their love for him should make their love for their children, for their families, that is a very natural thing. It should pale by comparison. It should be like hate in comparison. And when he told them to labor not for meat which perishes, he's telling them, your life, your pursuit, your pursuit of your life is for things, is for earthly things, is for uh, food and, 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 and things you can touch, is for, has been for miracles which need to occur He says, labor not for meat which perishes, but for meat that endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him God the Father hath sealed. So they said unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Isn't that what we do? When we find out that God has something, we oftentimes want to know what we can do because we want it. 
We hear about it, this great thing, this wonderful and amazing thing, and we say, what can we do? But the answer, we don't like the answer. You guys know what the answer is? is? Everybody say, there's nothing you can do. Could you imagine having a product that was for sale on television or to somebody and just said, oh, let me tell you all about it. Oh, with this product, you'll never be sick again. With this product, you'll never die. With this product, every problem that you've ever had will fade away and you'll live forever. And at the end, they're waiting. Oh, what number can we call? What thing can we do? And the announcer goes, there's nothing you can do. You can't go get this. You can't have it. You can't work for it. That would be pretty discouraging. We don't like that answer, right? We want so much to earn it. We want so much to work for it. We want so much to labor for it. And God says, you cannot. This should put us in a desperate place. Oh, no. What could they do? How could they earn everlasting life? And Jesus explains there was nothing they could do but believe. Everybody say believe. believe. Oh, well, I can do that. You know what he said? You actually can't even do that. That without God and without His mercy, you can't even believe. It's a gift from God. Jesus answered, said unto them, verse 29, This is the work of God, that you believe on Him whom He has sent. Now, at this point, they're like, oh, okay, I can do that. I'll believe. And He lets them know. No, believing on me for food and believing on me for a miracle is not enough. Coming to me so that I can multiply loaves and fishes. Coming and bringing it infirm to me, that's not enough. Them thinking about this food, they couldn't get this food off of their mind. You know what they said? Hey, we need a sign. In fact, hey, you know what? He did something yesterday. He did something pretty amazing. Jesus answered said, this is the work of God that you believe on him whom he has sent. They said, therefore, unto him, what sign can you show us that we may see and believe what doest thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. You see, they were like, hey, now, what were they trying to do? They were trying to get some more bread. Here they were saying, oh, you can show us a sign. What they were really saying was give us some more food. What sign can you show us? Moses gave us bread from heaven. What do you think they're remembering, guys? What just happened the day before? They were probably, their bellies were starting to get a little bit hungry. Some of their bellies were starting to growl. They probably didn't bring their lunch this time, Luke. They're like, we don't need our lunch. This guy multiplies food. Woo! Let's get some more of that. They understood Jesus was talking about himself. They asked for a sign. That he was the one. They asked him to do like Moses had done him. Feed them bread from heaven. They had just seen him make the bread to feed them from a small lunch. Jesus had said they were following him for the bread. They were seeing him like a Moses. A deliverer who would lead them to victory over their enemies. A real life conqueror. And they saw it all in flesh and blood. And right now and in food on the table. And in miracles for their needs. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not bread from heaven. But my father giveth you the true bread from heaven he tells them something that really is it's 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 very difficult to wrap your mind around i don't know if i i know i talked to some people about this but it's been rattled around in my mind for a while that god gave them their food and they still died 
That's amazing. Could you imagine, Steve, every day God gives you food to eat, food to eat, food to eat, and then you die. You'd think, well, it must have been something I ate. No, it wasn't anything you ate. Well, if I could just eat right, if I could just drink right, if I could just do it just right, I'll live. No, that's, that's not going to work because you can get even food from, that God rains down in manna and you're still going to die. 33, for the bread of God is he which comes down from heaven and giveth life to the world. They said unto him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. They want more bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. This is not the answer they wanted, Steve. They wanted to smell yeast. They wanted to see bread broke in pieces. They were hungry in their bellies. Oh, we want some bread. Some of you feel that way after communion. You get just enough, right? It's it's generally Jeff. He's kind of swirling around. Give us this bread, Pastor. I want some more. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I say unto you that you have seen me, and you believe not. Now this is amazing, because here they were, following him for the, everybody say for the food? Following for the bread, right? And following for the miracles. But yet, he said they were not believers. I mean, we think belief is believing he can provide us with food. We think belief is believing he can provide us with a miracle. And Jesus said, yeah, you follow me, all right, for those things, but that's not me. You want bread for the belly, but you don't want the bread of life. You've seen me, but you don't believe. Jesus begins to teach tulip. Everybody say tulip. If you can read this, I mean, we take people, Andy, we take them to Romans chapter 9. We should take them to John chapter 6 because Jesus begins to teach tulip. Now, if you don't know what tulip stands for, if you need a refresher course, does anybody know? Everybody say T stands for total depravity. U stands for unmerited favor. L stands for limited atonement. I for irresistible grace. And P stands for perseverance or preservation of the saints. Jesus begins to teach them that, that man cannot and will not and has and could not come to him. He's not unclear. He's very plain. Men do not want God. They cannot come to God on their own. He saves whom he chooses. No dead man seeks a living God for he can seek nothing but death. God saves who he will and those he saves stay saves and none of them will be lost. That's what Jesus is about ready to tell them. And they are not going to like it. You see, they loved his miracles and they loved that he fed them, but they didn't like his message. But he didn't come to offer food for the body and miracles for the body. He came to offer food for life. Verse 37 says, All the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but him that sent me. And this is the Father's will that He has sent me, that of all that He hath given me, I should lose nothing. Everybody say, lose nothing. You see, He had, he had them gather up the twelve baskets, the twelve fragments, that they would nothing would be lost. It's the same phrase. He gathered up them to show them about how that God was going to save the world through the church, and that He was going to save those that God had given Him. 
He said, I should raise it up at the last day. This is the will of him that sent me that everyone that sees the son and believes on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews murmured at him and they said, I, they murmured at him because he said, I am the bread of life, which came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we knew? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, murmur not among yourselves. No man, everybody say no man. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him. That's not unplain. That's not shady. That's not unclear. Those who believe will believe because God has given them the ability to believe. And those that he gives the ability to believe, I will not reject. I will not cast out. I will not lose them. They will be mine. I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 45, it is written in the prophets and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father comes of me. He teaches that God calls on a man, that he changes the man, that he gives him ears to hear, that he gives him the ability to believe. And when the Father does this in a man's life, then he comes to Christ. Verse 46, not that any man has seen the Father, save he which is of God, he has seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Verse 48, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they are dead. This is the bread that comes down from the heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh and I will give for the life of the world. You see, it wasn't so much that he said, eat my flesh and drink my blood that they didn't like it. He was telling them, you're coming for the bread, but I'm not going to keep doing that. You're coming for the miracles, but I'm not going to keep doing that either. What you don't want is me, and I am the only remedy for your problem. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Who eats my flesh and drinks my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink. He that eateth my flesh, drinketh my blood, dwells in me, and I in him. And the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he eateth me, and he shall live by me. I know we've gone on for a while, but Jesus isn't finished here. He said, this is the bread which hath come down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He's repeating this. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. He's saying, what you want from me is not what will change your life. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many of the disciples, when they had heard that, said, This is hard saying, who can hear it? Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured. He said, Does this offend you? What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. These words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. You see, Jesus was addressing the matter. It was a spiritual matter. But there are some of you that do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that would not believe and should betray Him. And He said it again, verse 65, I'll reiterate it. Jesus reiterates it. He repeats Himself again. Therefore I say unto you that no man can come unto Me except it were given unto Him of My Father. And from that time, many of His disciples went back and they walked no more with Him. And Jesus said to His twelve, Will you go away? 
And we know Peter's answer, right? The deal is this. When God does not give us what we're asking for, do we leave Him? When we ask Him for bread, when we ask Him for a miracle, when the healing that we want so much doesn't come, God is not holding back from us eternal life, but He might hold back some bread. He might hold back the miracle that we pray for. Paul understood this when he prayed and realized that God wasn't going to heal him. We believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, Peter said. Whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Jesus said, have I not chosen you? Twelve, and one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon, for it was he that would betray him. Being one of the twelve. This is what Christ was teaching them. It's what Christ is teaching us today. Yes, He gives us church buildings. He answers our prayers. He does the miraculous. He provides for us. But folks, today, let us remember that it's all about something that will never perish, that we can never lose. He's given us that. Amen? Let us take today a day that is set aside as the Lord's Day, and let us think a little bit about heaven about the gifts that He has given us. Sometimes what we do is we look at our life and we think of all the things that He hasn't given us, He hasn't done for us, He won't do for us. Why is my life this way? Why is it difficult? I do this as your pastor. And you might go, well, your life's not that difficult. Well, probably not compared to most people in the whole world, but I'm just enough a sinner that as good as it gets for me, you know what I always want, Andy? I always want it to be a little bit better. I remember when I didn't have another car and now I've got four cars in my driveway and I'm thinking you know I could really I'd really like to have a nicer one I remember when I lived in an apartment with my children and I didn't have a home to live in and I prayed that God would let us rent a place and now I own it a bigger place more and you know what I'm thinking to myself this place is kind of turning into a dump you know I'd really like a nice place I mean we're always having to fix things around here you know but what I'd really like You see, there's no end to what we want, guys. If God give us barley, we would say, oh Lord, but could you give us wheat? If he gave us bread that was made of wheat and smelled nice, we'd say, oh, but if I just had some butter. See, that's what the flesh is. So whether you live in Myanmar and you're eating rice once a day and God sends a chubby missionary guy to come and help you out. Now you're eating it. Fan- now you're eating meat every day, and you're you're thinking, you know, I could use some vegetables. Wouldn't it be nice if I had a house as nice as his? That's us. That's us. Don't be fooled by your flesh. It always wants more. No matter no matter what you ask God for, you always have something else you can ask Him for because it can always be a little bit better, always be a little bit more. God has already given us more than everything. If we had everything in this world, we have more than that already. I'll I'll, I'll close with this scripture. I've quoted it once. I'll quote it again. Set your affections on heaven. I know that in a time of difficulty and suffering and mourning, it is a lot easier to do. Should it, should it be? Or could we not, as we gather every Sunday, remember that God has seated us all in heavenly places in Christ, that He has granted us eternal life. Isn't that 
Isn't that enough? I wish our hands were not always open and our, our minds were always thinking of the next thing. May God make us more content. May we be thankful. He gives us this and we go, oh, but I want more. He gives us these people in our lives, but we want more. There'll be no need for more in heaven, for we shall have everything. Amen? Let us pray. Lord, as we are contemplating this message that Jesus gave that was hard for them to hear, they didn't like it. May we respond like Peter and not like them. May we not walk away from you and be frustrated that we won't get the bread that we want. We won't get the miracle that we want. May we, instead of walking away from you when we hear that there's nothing we can do, may we today do like Peter and say, Lord, where would we go? For thou hast the words of eternal life. In Christ's name we pray. And all the church said, Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.